freak out. Welcome back, my friends, to the podcast that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. This is uh, Oscar Calypso de Fr- la Fuente. <laughs> Calypso Ferguson. <laughs> and uh, across from me is, uh, what's your name for today? No, you don't get to do that. That's, oh. that's a one-way thing. Oh, well, then well, fuck you, Mike. Yeah, I'm Mike, and you're Calypso Ferguson. Everybody mm. knows you as Joe. Okay. All right, and uh, let's talk about some Mandy. Let's do that. All right. Go. <laughs> All right. So uh, somewhere near the Shadow Mountains in the year 1983, Red Miller lives with his girlfriend, artist Mandy Bloom. In a cabin near the lake, Red works as a logger. God damn it. Will you read it properly? Oh, God damn, dude. I, I think I need my prescription <laughs> fucking done because I quit wearing my contact lenses because they, they're, they're, they're fucking blurry in one eye. Somewhere near so I need the to Shadow Mountains back, in the year. Out. 1983. So I'm wearing my old glasses, and yeah, they're okay. Um, Red Miller lives with his girlfriend, artist Mandy Bloom. How many fucking commas are in that sentence? Holy shit! I thought I put in a, a lot cabin of in near sentence. the lake. All right. Red works as a logger. <laughs> Red works as a logger while Mandy has a day job as a cashier at a n- nearby gas station in the woods. She creates elaborate fantasy art, and Red admires her work greatly. How elaborate? They Is lead like, a quiet and reclusive life. So you didn't even, you're just reading it. You're not giving any information. I'm, I'm going to when I get to the end of the fucking paragraph. They lead a quiet and reclusive life. Yes. And their conversations and behavior hint at a difficult past and a psychological hardship. Red appears to be rec- a recovering alcoholic and Mandy recounts traumatic childhood experiences. It's kind of like Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, dude, the beginning. Uh, you had a washing machine? My son Kendrick watched this movie with me because my, my son William, he doesn't want to uh, watch movies anymore. He, he wants to just fucking play video games, watch meme, meme videos, and also he, he's doing some uh, Stuff. Uh, streaming shit. Right, right, right. So, um, so anyway, Kendrick's watching this with me, and this the beginning of this movie is very, very 70s-inspired, arty-looking but it's also kind of boring. And you're like, where the fuck is this going? Like, what's the meaning of all this? Because the characters are acting kind of odd. So it's very 70s inspired movie. Yeah. And there's not, yeah. And even the intro, like the intro music and everything is straight up like a 70s movie. And, um, and it's just, yeah. And these characters are like, they, 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 their, their behavior is different. And you're just like, I'm like, God, where the fuck is this movie going to go? Because I totally forgot about the trailer. I forgot what I saw in the trailer for it. You know, when we watched it, like, what was it, a year ago or whatever. And so, yeah. So w- during this whole thing that I just read, I don't know where the fuck this movie's going. And I'm like, okay, this movie better get better or I'm fucking out, right? <laughs> so on our way to work, Mandy walks past a van carrying the children of the new dawn. I don't know what that means. A deviant hippie cult led by Jeremiah Sand. Sand is struck by Mandy's beauty and orders one of his disciples, Brother Swan, to kidnap Mandy with the help of the Black Skulls, a demonic biker gang with a taste for human flesh and a liquid, highly potent form of LSD. Ooh. So, yes. So you have cults and demonic biker gangs. Are they really a demonic biker gang? Fuck yeah, they are. I mean, are they like demons? Are they really demons? Yeah, like, do they look like rejects from Gwar? Oh, cool. Yeah. It looks, yeah. Like, you never get to see their faces because they're wearing, like, these helmets, and you, they're just growling like otherworldly creatures. Okay. So, yeah, you're like, yeah. They, I mean, kind of reminded me of Legend, in a way. All right. Um, and so, yeah, and there's there's this constant haze over these scenes, like, like you're already on LSD while you're watching it. Like they put Vaseline on the lens? Yeah. Okay. And shit like that. And it's fucking, yeah, and it's just a per- very a- pinkish, purpley... 
you know, haze over everything. And yeah, it's a technique that they used to use back in the seventies when they didn't have, you know, the, the the effects. Yeah. So it was all, I mean, special effects, seventies, eighties, and stuff like yeah. that. Those they were they're inspirational. It doesn't matter what movie you're watching. I mean, it could be just the regular. Mm-hmm. You know, like scanners, but you know, or your favorite movie, All the President's Men. Yeah, there we go. But um, (laughs) when you look at movies from that time, it was minimal special effects. I was I was thinking about this a couple, like a couple of days ago. Yeah, minimal special effects because the technology wasn't there, so they had to make do, and they had to become innovative. Yeah. So and creative process, right? Yeah, it sounds like it's kind of going. They're using some of those techniques. Yeah. Um, before we go any further, the, you have something in your mustache that's bugging the fuck out of me. I know I do. I'm oh, you son right of a bitch. There. You're just going to keep it there? All right. It's still there. It's still <laughs> okay, move down to your bottom. Yeah. Okay, there we go. And then it just flew off. <laughs> it just, it launched itself. It's Cracker. like, I'm out of here. Yeah. All right. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you've thrown off the, the emperor's groove. <laughs> sorry. All right. So uh, at um, at night, Swan dives out. Or drives. dives. God damn. Swan drives out to the lake and summons the black skulls by blowing a mystical horn. It looks like an ocarina, like a little ocarina. Yeah, like like the from Zelda and shit. Um, after Swan offers him a low ranking member the, of the, the fry cult, horn. Yeah, the, a low as he as he offers them a low ranking member of the cult as a sacrifice, which they call the fat guy. The fat one. Okay, yeah, always pick on the fat guy. Yeah. They break into the couple's home and subdue Mandy and Red. The two female members of the cult, Mother Marlene and Sister Lucy, drug Mandy with LSD and venom from a giant black wasp before presenting her to Sand. Those things suck. Sand, a failed musician, attempts to seduce Mandy with his psychedelic folk music, telling her that God has told him to take everything he want, take anything he wanted. Mandy ridicules him, leaving him confused and infuriated. Seeking revenge, Sand stabs Red, who is tied and gagged with barbed wire, then burns Mandy alive in front of him. Well, that sucks. Yeah. After nothing but ash remains of Mandy, Sand and his followers leave. Red frees himself, goes back inside, and falls asleep, exhausted and in shock. After waking up from a nightmare, he consumes a bottle of vodka, tends to his wounds, and shrieks in agony, grief, and rage. Oh, yeah, typical fucking... Yeah, okay. So that entire fucking scene, man, holy shit. That's, this is when we start to get brutal. And it's hilarious at the same time, because Linus Roach, who plays Sand, Jeremiah Sand, Linus Roach played um, uh, Bruce Wayne's dad, Thomas Wayne, in uh-huh. uh, Batman Begins. Okay. All right. So if you can picture that actor. Um Anyway, he he walks in front of Mandy's character and she's high she's you know, she's tripping on this acid and he walks up and he tries to be all godlike and like it's very trippy. Like you're you're on LSD while you're watching it pretty much. That's how it looks. Because his voice is very omnipotent and all this shit, right? Right. And he's t- while he's talking to her, he's saying all these great things about himself and stuff and 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 all of a sudden he takes his robe off and he has this dick sticking out and it looks like a regular size white guy dick. Okay. Nothing special, nothing to brag about. And my son Kendrick goes, Oh no, I'm sorry. My son William walks out. Cause Kendrick goes, William, come here. You got to see this. <laughs> so, William comes out and he sees it's it. like, what, what? And then, like, oh my God. Goes, he goes, God damn, his dick is small. <laughs> like, 
I go, no, nah, it's actually the regular size for a white guy's dick, you know, when it's not erect. Yeah, he sorry, goes, dude. He goes, yeah, sorry for that guy. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> Every time you talk about that guy's sand playing his horn. <laughs> I can think of his... <laughs> Futurama. So, yeah. So, sand is... is <laughs> so, he's naked. He's standing in front of her thinking that he's the shit. Right. And he starts playing... The, he puts on this record and it's playing this fucking song that is just... It's shit. <laughs> what I just played. Yeah. And it's just shit. And um, all of a sudden... Uh, like, because he's pretty much presenting himself to her like you are blessed by me about to put myself inside of you and all this shit right Right. and all of a sudden she starts laughing uncontrollably at him and he feels so belittled and ridiculed that he his face it does this close-up of his face where you can only see like um like you can see like the mid chest up right and you can tell that he starts jerking off while he's getting the most angriest look on his face and you're just like like dude just stop anger boner like yeah like he's like fuck that you fucking whore right he's like don't make fun of me right and so um he gets pissed <laughs> off and he then he orders her fucking killed right? right and it's brutal they fucking set her on fire and i'm like god i'm like waiting for something to happen where she doesn't get killed but because she's Mandy. The name's fucking... Uh, the movie's Mandy, right? Right. No, she's gone. She fucking burns to almost nothing. There's just like a skull left. And um, and then Nicolas Cage gets to go into overacting mode, which is awesome because this is like a perfect role for him. Right. I, I read some of the stuff about this and that um, this is why they hired him because of his ability to overact. Yeah. Like, um, surprisingly, like I, I watched uh, Book, of, tr- Book of Secrets. Book of Shadows? National Treasure. Oh, that one. Okay. Book of yeah. Secrets, which is part two, but because for some reason I'm going to fucking play National Treasure. Yeah. So, like, every other week it's part two. Yeah. Um, but it's been on, like, four times. I'm like, fuck. Apparently <laughs> somebody wants me to watch this goddamn movie. Or, or you like John Turneltop. Yeah. And so I, <laughs> I, I've, this is, like, the third time I've seen the fucking movie in it this year. Yeah. And uh, Was Kaitel in that one as well? Yeah. Okay. Kaitel, uh Diane Kruger. Uh, Voight. John Voight, yeah, was the dad, wasn't he? Uh, titty woman, uh, which is weird because he's also Helen, the, Helen Mirren. Yeah, because he also played the dad in in fucking Tomb Raider, the original Tomb Raider. Yeah, why is that weird? Because it this movie is because National Treasure is like Tomb Raider in a yeah. way, and so for him to be the dad in both movies is kind of weird. Yeah, and then um, Ed Harris, that's who. It's oh like. yeah, okay. I like Ed Harris. He's a good. He's a I great fucking Harris. actor. Yeah. Um, and um, I forgot where I was going with this. The, I think the guy. The oh, guy, Nicholas Cage. He he acts. He actually doesn't have a fucking freak out spaz moment in this movie. Yeah. Really, you know. Isn't um the guy his buddy that's with him? Isn't that the guy who plays um Daredevil? Is it Charlie Cox or no? It's not. It's someone though. He's like like back then when I saw National Treasure, <laughs> I didn't know who the guy was, but now because I've seen now him in something. Now, yeah, now you gotta look him up. Let's see. No, it's still not working. God damn it! Stop clicking on. Oh, well, I got a different one. Uh, National Treasure. I only got a 36%. It's actually not a bad movie. It's kind of fun. And there was Sean Bean's in the first one. Didn't he die? Probably. (laughs) Justin Bartha. That's the guy. Okay. Well, click on him because I I, I swear to God, I've seen him in something afterwards. Oh, that's right. He plays Doug. He plays Doug in The Hangover. He's the Doug that's missing in the first one. He's Doug. Yeah. He's White Doug, my bad. White Doug. He's White Doug. Come on, man. <clears throat> so I was like, yeah, because once I saw National you know, Treasure, then again after seeing The Hangover, I was like, oh, there's Doug. There's yeah. White Doug. All right. So 
Um, yeah, Nicolas Cage, he goes home, he's in shock, right? And he fucking sits on the toilet, he's drinking vodka, and he just, out of nowhere, just starts screaming <laughs> uncontrollably, just, ah, 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 and it's, I'm laughing, but at the same time, I'm like, god damn, this guy's really fucking hurting, right? So, um, all right, so next uh, part. In the morning, Red fetches the Reaper, his crossbow, from his friend Carruthers, played by Bill Duke. Carruthers provides him with freshly cr- uh, crafted arrows and information on the Black Skulls. According to Carruthers, the Black Skulls may have been a group of couriers for a drug manufacturer who were psychiatrically disturbed by a bad batch of LSD, rendering them murderously sadomasochistic. But they're demons. Yes. Before Red leaves, Carruthers warns him. You know, it's just like he's doing this thing where, you know, stories are. Your odds of survival of 2,375 to 1. Kind of, yeah, but he's also, yeah, he's saying you're going to fucking die if you fight these guys. But he also... Your odds of going into this asteroid field are four to one. But he's also... that's that's not bad. (laughs) But he's also talking about, you know, like like the word is, you know, stories are talking about like these... Word on the street is. Yeah. So before Red leaves, Carruthers warns him that his odds of survival are poor. Red forges a battle axe and hunts down the bikers. This battle axe is fucking awesome. Where are you? Right here. Right after... um, Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so he creates this giant, like he melts down. Um, yeah, I saw that's in the trailer. Yeah, that that fucking blade is awesome, right? I like to have that on my wall. Um, kind of like the one in um, in uh, Cobra. Oh, you haven't seen Cobra yet? Spoiler. I saw alert. Cobra, but I don't remember much of it because <laughs> I, I see seeing Cobra in the eighties is probably way different than seeing Cobra now, which I saw it now for the first time. Right. And so yeah, I'm like, God, this is a shitty eighties action movie. It is. <laughs> God it's damn. Supposed to be Beverly Hills Cop. I was like, dude, this Beverly Hills Cop is leagues better than this fucking movie. All right. So, um, all right. So, uh, yeah, yeah. He creates the uh, the axe, Bad right? Lines. And so um, he's able to successfully run down one and kill him, but he he's captured. he's captured in the process. So at their hideout, Red manages to break free and kill the remaining bikers, and he consumes some of their cocaine and tainted LSD, <laughs> ca- causing him to instantly and severely hallucinate. So we can see where his past is coming to haunt him yeah. <laughs> with the drinking and the fucking yeah. drugs. Yeah, when they were when they're beating the shit out of him and they stabbed him in the side, they stabbed him like in the same spot where Jesus got stabbed on the cross, by the way. It looked like they were doing that on purpose. Right. I kept waiting for him to, instead of yelling bees, just something else like bees. <laughs> Because it just it looked like the right moment. Bees, bees. Um, so yeah, he goes on this fucking kill spree, and it's this part where he's about to kill one of these, um, one of these worshippers, one of these cultists, and he goes, he the one that stabbed him when he was hung up, when you know when they beat him at the beginning of the movie, uh-huh. um, and he goes, "You ruined my shirt! You ruined my shirt!" And that crazy Nicolas Cage scream, and uh-huh. it's fucking hilarious. Me and Kendrick had to pause the movie; we were laughing so hard. Uh-huh. It was so goddamn funny. Right, and then all of a sudden, after um, after he makes the axe and he starts, he kills all the all the demons and shit. Kendrick goes, "This is the greatest movie ever." <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so seeking out a radio tower he envisioned earlier, Red encounters the chemist, a mysterious drug manufacturer who tells him where to find the children of the new dawn. The guy who plays the chemist is the guy who played Joe Chill in Batman Begins. Okay, go go figure. Um, at their make break. What? Yeah, yeah. Brocky, Richard Brocky. The guy's a creepy looking actor. Um, he was also in Thirty One, uh, done by uh, Rob Zombie. He's a he's a, he's a good actor. 
Yeah, he's not. I already looked up Ned Dennehy, and he's not related to Brian Dennehy. Hey. By the way, they need Brian Dennehy needs to make a fucking comeback in movies. He's a great actor. By I the just way. watched something where he was smoking weed in it at the beginning of the movie. He was so he played someone's dad. Oh, tag. Yep. Tag. There we go. All right. So, um, seeking out a radio tower he envisioned earlier, Red encounters a chemist, a mysterious drug manufacturer, who tells him it's where to find the children of the new dawn. After makeshift wooden church in a quarry. Red kills brothers Swan and Hanker with his axe and kills brother Klopek. Klopek. I know. <laughs> and neighbors from hell. In a chainsaw <laughs> the fucking Klopeks. Yeah. Sparing only the life of sister Lucy. Traverse because um, she looked like she wasn't down with all that shit anyway. Traversing the tunnels. Traversing the tunnels beneath the church. Red, the shit. Red finds Mother Marlene and kills and decapitates her. Well, that would be the same thing. Yeah. I know, right? All you have to do is say decapitate, right? It's not like... Fucking cuts off her head. And it's like, oh, you had to chase her head Let's and kill it. Gigantic words. <laughs> Started floating away. Um, <laughs> he then had wings. He then finds sand, taunting him by rolling out Marlene's severed head. Fucking bowling ball. Sand begs for mercy. What a pussy. Yeah, I know. This, that, yeah, he is, um, you burned my wife to... To death, now you want mercy? Yeah, and then... Fuck off, you cunt. He does this thing where he he begs for mercy, and then all of a sudden he comes to his, his you know, crazy ideological uh, senses. Right. And all of a sudden he gets ballsy again. He's like, do what the fuck you got to do, motherfucker, or something right. like that, right? He's just something stupid. And so... Um, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. So, so after, yeah, so after you he begs for mercy... You don't have the grapes. It's <laughs> <laughs> a pretty big Twinkie. <laughs> but Red kills him by crushing his skull. He really fucking crushes it too. Like he does this thing where he squeezes the sides of his head, and it doesn't do like in like fucking Friday. The it doesn't do like Toxic Avenger where his head completely caves in. It just pushes in a little bit, and his um, and his fucking eye pops out of his skull. It's yeah, Friday the Thirteenth. It's fucking gross, man. God but, damn it! But it's done in that cool practical effect way. Yeah, Friday the Thirteenth. Like if you saw Friday the Thirteenth, was it Part Four? Part four where Jason's squeezing that guy's head and it mm. pops out. Part three, the 3D. Yeah. Like, if you're watching the movie yeah. and the, when the eye pops out, it fucking squiggles just to uh, uh, right. I think it's to the right, but it kind of squiggles uh-huh. out. You can see the spring behind it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, high definition. Yes. Well, no, you can see it without high definition. Oh, good. Yeah, he's Linus Roach is a very good actor. Anyways, um, he always plays an asshole. It seems like for the most part. All right, so yeah, he crushes his skull. So then uh, Red uh, sets the church on fire and watches Sand's body burn before driving away, envisioning Mandy in the passenger seat of his car while the landscape behind him now appears fantastical and otherworldly. Yeah, this whole movie is in a fucking. Um, oh, it's Legion M. Yeah, I was gonna get that's in my uh, my my trivia. I was gonna get into. Okay. Um, but yeah, this um. This whole yeah, this whole movie is done in like an LSD phase, and 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 you know what? I'm glad I stuck around to finish watching because it does start off very like odd, and just, it felt like it was trying to be too artistic and weird at first, you know, like independent filmmakers do sometimes. But then you just have to wait for the build up, and then when it goes to like the insanity of of Nicolas Cage, just fucking tearing through these guys and and other things, it just it, you're like, okay, all right, I, I see where the payoff is here. It's, it's so it's definitely worth seeing. Um, and like I said, you got to start off slow, but then you get into it. It's 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 worth it. It's on uh, Redbox, by the way. So, um, <laughs> fucking Mandy, that's goddamn funny. All right, so here's some trivia for you. All right, so the opening credits don't display the title um, or a directed by Panos Cosmatos credit. That's right. the director's name, Cosmatos. Yeah, um, the title appears 75 minutes into the film, 
and and directed by Pan, Panos Cosmatos um, is the first ending credit. Comatose. <laughs> uh, the weapon forged by Red was an homage to legendary metal band Celtic Frost's logo. You ever heard of Celtic Frost? Fuck yeah, I have. Who hasn't? All right. Obviously, you haven't. <laughs> it's because you suck. Yeah. Uh, I will show you. Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. They're uh, they're kind of a death metal. See the see right there. Yeah. I wouldn't say they're kind of. They're a death metal band. They they start off non. They're a fun band. They're, they're an extreme metal band. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. Did they do that guttural shit? I don't know. Captain <laughs> Defiber. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> that was fucking hilarious. I'm sh- I'm sh- I'm Schweizer Frenchen. This one. Come on. Give us a fucking... Don't be cunty. Radiohead. I'm not Radiohead. <laughs> I mean Motorhead. Yeah, more... more um, <laughs> Radiohead. <laughs> a little heavier. But yeah, that was actually kind of fucking loud. But whatever. Anyways, Celtic Frost. Boris rauskommen und ich glaube, das liegt... Yeah. <laughs> oh, God damn! I'm trying to get away from it. All right. So uh, the book Mandy reads that. early on during the film, which is called Seeker of the Serpent's Kiss, is a prop, a fake book. It is actually the name of a musical composition played during that scene, and it is by the film's composer, Johan Johansson. Seekers of the Serpent's Kiss? Yeah. Seeker of the Serpent's Kiss. All right. So uh, the first fan-owned entertainment company, Legion M., helped co-produce the film and the Johan Johansson soundtrack. Yeah, Legion M is pretty fucking cool. This is also uh, Johan Johansson's uh, final uh, film before he died of a uh, prescription pill and uh, cocaine overdose. Hmm. That sucks. It sucks because he, dude, we, we started noticing him. He did this score for uh, Sicario. Oh, right. right. Yeah, that guy yeah. is fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right, the song Jeremiah Sand play, um, he plays in the scene where he tries to seduce Mandy is called Amulet of the Weeping Maze and was actually released in real life on the music site Bandcamp, becoming a bestseller on the site shortly after the film came out. Also on the single is a 17-minute track in the style of an interview called My Journey, which details Sand's life and his views on the world and God. Led Zeppelin. Yeah, it's um, God, man. It's, uh. <laughs> All right, so uh, the number forty-four on Red shirt is likely a reference to Mark Twain's unfinished novel, The Mysterious Stranger, where a supernatural character called Number Forty-Four appears and uses his supernatural powers to expose the futility of mankind's existence. Ah. The green glowing light that Mandy pulls out of the corpse during one of the animation sequences is a nod slash homage to the glowing green orb featured in 1981's Heavy Metal. Right. I forgot to mention um, the animated sequences because they're very short. They're, there's like two of them 
and I think they go on for maybe thirty seconds at the most. They're, so I, I yeah I forgot about them, but they're cool. They're 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 done in a cool style. Um, when Red encounters the chemist, he appears to be preparing a batch of the Colts LSD by soaking a sheet of paper in a clear liquid, which would create what is known as blotter acid, which is which in small squares of paper. So which is small squares of paper soaked in liquid LSD. He is handling the liquid LSD with his bare hands. Doing this would render the chemist with a dose far more than enough to render him delirious and non-functional for several days at minimum. When Mandy is reading her book, she has a series 2009 $1 bill as a bookmark. The story takes place in 1983. That's a goof for you. Um, towards the end of the film, Red tells the cult leader that the psychotic drowns where the mystic swims. This is a variation of a quote by mythologist Joseph Campbell. The psychotic drowns in the same waters in which the mystic swims with delight. From uh, Joseph Campbell's Psychology of the Future, Lessons from Modern Consciousness Research. Hmm. Meaning that there's a fine line between psychosis and spirituality. Okay. So, um, yeah. Then, yeah, this is uh, the final film uh, that uh, Johan Johansson uh, uh, did the score for. So, um, which sucks. Like, you know, I would have, you know, didn't catch on to the guy until he was 49 years old. Or he died at 49, but um, caught on to his work, um, you know, after seeing what he did with Denny Villeneuve uh, with his films. So right. The guy is a very talented uh, composer, but apparently cocaine was more important, so well, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a drug. <laughs> there we go. So, yeah, anyway, uh, you like crazy, wacky, wild shit, then uh, an inflatable t- tube man. <laughs> yeah. Wacky, wild, wacky, waving, inflatable, arm-flying tube guys? Pretty much something like that, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, then uh, check out Mandy. Go to your local Redbox. All righty. Okay. And, uh, we'll catch you on the tents. All right. All right. More on NPR after this. <laughs> 